0: Hello everyone. You don't want to see me eating because that's gross. My name is Luke Thomas. I'm super professional and this is the promotional malpractice live chat on uh, July 1st, 2015. Hang on. Mm. You ever had this? Oh my god. Stupidest name ever but the yogurts are delicious. Sorry I had to eat that because I just got back from the gym. Sort of. All right. Today on the live chat we'll talk about UFC 189, Jesus, what a mess that is, right? You've got all that buildup. Jose Aldo finally pulls out of injury after a week. of We don't know, is he in, is he out? So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Conor McGregor's response. We'll talk about Chad Mendez. What kind of, uh, does he stand a chance? You know. So we'll talk about that as well. And, of course, all your questions related to that. Why is there an interim title? Blah, 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 blah. We're on top of that. We'll get to the fight kits that came out yesterday. The uniforms, basically, that the UFC put out with Reebok. Uh, some good, some bad. Not as down on it as everyone else, but not high on it at all. But we'll talk We'll talk about it in, a, I think, the fairest way we can. So that, and then all your questions and comments. I apologize for starting late. If you guys heard me, I did an interview on Irish Radio, and then I had to shower, then get up here, then get set up. And I had to text my dad, because he's going to come over during this broadcast. I'm at home, not at the office there is a chance he's going to interrupt. You might see Mr. Thomas, who also has a beard. If he does, I'm going to body slam him and then leave him in an old folks' home. But uh, hopefully it doesn't come to that. So uh, your questions, your comments, best place to get to that is on MMAfighting.com. You, of course, can email me, luke.thomas at SBNation.com. And uh, I'm on Twitter at SBNLukeThomas. Don't forget, Facebook.com slash Sports. Okay, with that out of the way, Let's get to your questions. And again, super serious apologies for, uh, for starting late. Oh, by the way, today's broadcast, not officially brought to you by, but you always want to know what's the diet soda of choice? It's uh, Coke Zero, um, which my wife loves. Mm. Mm, not too bad. Not too good. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, by the way, whenever you see me drink diet soda, be sure to share this video or this post on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever, send it via email, give it a thumbs up, do all the nice things that I need you to do to make this chat as big as it can be. All right, so we're late. Let's just get into it. Luke, care to give a ballpark figure on what you think the UFC lost with Aldo pulling out? Oh, uh, tremendous, tremendous amount of money. Um, God, who knows? So there's a couple of ways that they've lost money. And if you actually watched Lorenzo, or uh, I should say Ariel's interview with Lorenzo Fertitta, you can probably get a good sense of it. They've already spent a ton of money to promote up to this point. And then they had an additional set of promotions that they were going to do in terms of advertising and push towards earned media and paid media that they had going into the fight. So that means billboards, that means you know, magazine inserts. That means television commercials. That means radio spots. Remember, those radio spots work in the sense that you have both Aldo and McGregor. Well, that's lost. They can retool some of that, right? Because you still have McGregor. It's still the same day. There's still a little bit of a one-man show kind of vibe around McGregor. Um, obviously not the same as it, with being Aldo there, but you get the idea. Um, so they've lost a tremendous amount of money there. Then you sort of factor in what they're going to lose, well, I reduced pay-per-view sales. And I still think, I think this will actually do better than people realize, but it won't do great. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not going to, if it beats 400,000, I'd be shocked, you know, because McGregor has no history on pay-per-view and he's lost his foil. So it's not exactly clear to me who he's going to fight uh, or who he's uh, going to fight that's going to make people want to buy from a casual fan perspective. So we're talking, you know, I mean, I would say easily tens of millions, easily, easily tens of millions of dollars on this one. Um, you know, this is uh, from what they've spent to what they have lost, to what they have to repurpose, to what they have to now make new, because they still have time to promote a Mendez fight. You know, you have to put him on everything and get those ads rolling. It's a, it's a disaster. It's a, it's a, you know, calamity might be a strong word, but it's a disaster. Which whatever the UFC lost is nothing compared to what Aldo himself lost. The UFC can still make money on this card. Aldo probably turned away 3 to $4 million. I would say if you're talking about aggregate losses, UFC lost way more because they invested way more. Now, in terms of, you know, Aldo's ability to generate revenue for himself, certainly this was a bit of a unique opportunity. But, um, you know, look, if you favor McGregor's chances against uh, uh, Mendez, this fight's not lost. The Aldo-McGregor fight. It's not, you know. Maybe Mendez goes in there and steamrolls him. I don't know. But if he doesn't, um, you're fine, to an extent, anyway. Someone's asking a question that is literally 75,000 words. It's like the Magna Carta. I cannot read that. I'm sure it's a good question, but... Uh, I personally believe that in terms of contrasting styles, Mendez versus McGregor is the more intriguing matchup. What do you think? Obviously, in terms of entertainment value, Aldo McGregor trumps it, but I've, I, I find myself more intrigued by Mendez McGregor over Aldo McGregor. Also, doesn't hurt the fact that it's backed by a fantastic card. Yeah, talked a little bit about this last week. Here is the interesting thing about McGregor versus Aldo, McGregor versus Edgar. And then McGregor versus Mendez. There are a lot of people making the argument that it, out the McGregor versus uh, excuse me. There are a lot of people making the argument that McGregor versus Mendez is basically roughly equivalent to, in terms of what it answers and what it challenges McGregor in doing, to a McGregor Edgar fight. I would dispute that highly. I do not think they're the same. Uh, frankly, if you're asking me who I think has the better chance at beating McGregor, it's definitely Mendez over Edgar. I know a lot of people disagree with me. I don't see the logic. First of all, I think that McGregor has taken... All these names sound relatively similar in my stupid brain. I think Edgar has taken a tremendous amount of damage, and I think it's starting to show a little bit. You can call that foolish and say you know it's not there. I'm not saying it's necessarily that uh, he's having a hard time pulling the trigger, but he looked good against Swanson, and he looked good against Faber in as much as one could, and he still looked very capable, but I don't think folks have a good sense of the size of McGregor. I think a few punches from McGregor uh, that land clean, and they will, that's going to hurt Edgar badly. Uh, not that they wouldn't hurt Mendez, but I think Mendez is the faster of the two. And I think in terms of just a guy who can stick to the wrestling constantly in on your legs, constantly pushing you against the fence, constantly, um, you know, trying to make that phase of the game, the dominant portion, you can say what you want about the Edgar Swanson fight. I don't think that would work necessarily against McGregor. I think it would be. I think the chances of that working with Mendez are much, much higher. Mendez has taken a lot less victory. I think he's quicker. I think he's got a much more explosive shot at this point. He doesn't try and feel you out if he doesn't have to. He does work his striking a lot more than he used to. But let's say he wanted to abandon it. I don't think it would necessarily impact his ability to compete on the wrestling in as much as it would for Edgar. Edgar really sort of relies very heavily at this point on setting everything up. And then starts going to doubles and singles and things like that. Um, so you can make the case that like, when you look at the the technique of Edgar, that he's much more fluid and dynamic and much more polished and uh, diversified in his offense. And I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that, but I would actually say that that hampers him in this case. I think if you're going to beat somebody like McGregor, you have to hammer him with your best skill set right away. Right away. You have to take the fight to him right away. Aldo might be the only exception to that, because he wants to wait for McGregor to pressure, counter shot and move, counter shot and move, and then slowly chip. Um, but for everyone else, I don't think that's going to work. Y'all y'all sleep on McGregor. I'm telling you, you sleep on McGregor. I'm not saying he's going to beat uh, Mendez. I'm not saying he's going to lose to Mendez. I'm just telling you, when you see this guy in person, and you're like, holy F balls, that is a gigantic featherweight. And then you see how he can crack, man. I'm not saying he, you know, Aldo can't crack like that either. I'm not saying any of that stuff. All I'm pointing out to you is um, the I think his ability to do damage on a guy who's more patient like Edgar means Mendez has a better shot if Mendez is disciplined about the wrestling. But if McGregor's takedown defense is on point, it's all, it's all meaningless anyway. Um, here's the other part about your question, and I mentioned this last week too. If McGregor beats Mendez – I still don't think that tells you a lot about the Aldo fight. What it does tell you is, uh, and maybe maybe he just, let's put away the question of, is McGregor going to go to lightweight when this is all over, right? Because he might, because he is so big and the cut is so dramatic for him. And so devastating for him that he doesn't want to do it for much longer. So, but let's, let's put that aside. Assuming that's not actually a realistic thing he plans on pursuing. The reason why the Mendez win is important is because if he can beat a guy like Mendez, who can strike, who is quick, and obviously has just you know relentless takedowns from all different positions of the scrambling uh, from from the side, he's got he's got Jesus, he's got singles, doubles, uh, sweep singles, he's got trips, he's got high crotch lifts, he's got he's got it all. If if that guy can't have success against McGregor. Well, then you can go and look at the, the rest of the division. You can say Bermuda's ain't got a shot. Lamas ain't got a shot. Certainly Guida ha- doesn't have a shot. So who has a shot at that point? Well, maybe Aldo, because Aldo's not going to try and wrestle him. Okay. But the point being is if he can get past Mendez, you say to yourself, he already got past Mendez. If, if he can beat Aldo, then the, then, the, then the lingering questions over his resume evaporate almost at once. And my point being is this if he beats Aldo, That still doesn't tell you he can beat Mendez. That's sort of the key interesting point here. Beating a Mendez or beating an Edgar was important for two reasons. One of which was to say, can you beat a guy who can wrestle you? Okay, fine. But the other was uh, just getting past a top contender generally. In other words, you you would still have a portion of the same kind of conversation about who McGregor needed to fight, even if both... Edgar and Mendez were strikers you'd say well these guys are still ranked ahead of him they've done way more in the division he needs to get past those guys to get to uh, to get to Aldo and that would be more instructive if he could if those guys were strikers and uh, McGregor beat them both right So the point being is it's instructive in two ways but um, but I, I just want to point out beating Mendez sort of tells you that you know Aldo is a separate task. But this is a division he can't, he has the possibility of reigning over. Beating Aldo, funnily enough, doesn't exactly tell you that. Yes, you beat Aldo, but Styles make fights. That doesn't mean you can handle the wrestling pressure of someone like Alamis or someone like Mendez or someone like Edgar. Um, maybe it does, but it, it it's not so clear. Uh, what are your mid-2015 of the year awards? Jesus, there's like a thousand of these. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. Um, Coach of the mid-year. I don't know. Gym of the mid-year. Probably, well, I wasn't going to say AKA, but... uh, Knockout of the year has to be... um, uh, Hisaki Kato on Joe Schilling, right? I mean, that was ridiculous. Card event of the mid-year. Um... Maybe 187. Um, Fighter of the mid year. I don't know. Maybe Cerrone. I, I don't know. I had to look these up. These are always hard for me because I, I need to see the choices before I can pick. Oh, someone says Jim of the mid year, Kings MMA. Yeah, that seems fair. Comeback Arlovsky. Okay, it's got to be him. Breakout of the mid year, and Jacek. Maybe. Upset of the mid-year, Dos Anjos dominating Pettis. That's one of them. Submission of the mid-year, Verdum over Kane. I don't know which ones I would pick for submission of the year, but certainly the uh, the guillotine is. The return of the guillotine is just, to me, one of the most interesting things. You know? A, a submission that was highly used and then easily overcome, but still put in in heavy rotation so that it became from from an efficiency standpoint a very inefficient submission and then a ton of adjustments were made to it both in MMA itself and then adapted Nogi which to me is really the interesting component here Um, and it has become infinitely more valuable infinitely you you look at Joe Proctor submission you look at at, um, Ben Rothwell's you look at uh, Charles Oliveira, the guillotine, and, and these are all different kinds of guillotine, but they're applied masterfully, you know. Rothwell's was a little bit loose, but it's such a sudden thing that it can overwhelm a person. Um, to me, that's sort of the, the, the you know, submission of the you can pick a fight or whatever. And then, of course, you have um, Verdoom beating Cain. The guillotine, though, the return of the guillotine, for me, is, like, crazy, you know. So it says, can we finally give McGregor a bit of respect? If you watch this chat, you get a lot of it. After all the talk of Conor dodging wrestlers, the fact he's willing to put up his title shot at risk to face the strongest wrestler in the division on two weeks' notice, you think people should finally drop the whole he's dodging wrestlers bit. I don't know that he was ever dodging wrestlers. He was taking the fights the UFC wanted him to take. And if you ever listen to him speak, he was he seemed very intent on proving that he could eventually beat a wrestler, that he was looking forward to the opportunity to handle one so that he, he himself could put those arguments to rest. Um, so sure, I have a ton of respect for him for this. I've always had a lot of respect for McGregor. I think, uh, you know, I think he gets unfairly maligned as someone who, you know, is... I, I always thought that the idea that he was the heir to Chael Son in the UFC was a ridiculous sort of thing. I never took that seriously. Um we'll see how far he gets in the division. Maybe the parallels wind up being closer than we think they are when it's all said and done. But, uh, but I certainly respect his ability to compete for sure, for sure. And his willingness to take on Mendez, who is a dramatically different opponent than Aldo in you know, in physical size and biomechanics and, and, you know, attacking style and, Just everything. Everything is so different. Uh, Yeah, I have a lot of respect for him. Sure. Let me try something here real quick. All right. Let's see. Someone says, uh, pound for pound, best in the world, John Jones, wouldn't even fight Chael Sonnen on two weeks' notice. Yeah. Here's the difference, though. I will always say, uh, you know what, I admire your courage to step up on two weeks' notice. I'm not mad at John Jones for not taking fights he doesn't want to take. And you guys all saw what happened when he actually fought Chael Sonnen, right? I mean, it was a fairly, fairly significant whooping. Um This idea that if you don't just take it on that amount of notice that it's some sort of indictment on your character to me is, I think, fairly ridiculous. Not because it couldn't be one of those scenarios, but because there are so many factors that go into actually, you know, you want to make this about Conor McGregor having a ton of courage. And I would never take away from you that he probably does. And that absent external pressures, he probably would have taken this fight anyway. And so that's a credit to him. But let's not be naive about this, right? This is a business. And in this business, what matters is money and the amount of money that Zuva has put into this. Okay, it's one thing if Aldo drops out. It's quite another if McGregor has dropped out, not because, listen, we're talking about the greatest featherweight of all time with Jose Aldo, but we're also talking about some, the biggest box office attraction in this particular context with with mcgregor people flying over from ireland and this being international fight week and 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 again even if you lose aldo you get mendez that still answers a big question about mcgregor there's still a lot of value there for fight fans at least the hardcore ones if not the casual audience that these are important things if, if you think that the ufc said to him well we we know we can do without aldo but we can't do without or we can do without you too you're you're foolish they had a conversation with him, and they were probably saying to him, "We desperately need you to not pull out." Now, I don't know that to be a fact, but I would just—it doesn't even seem logical that they wouldn't, as from a promoter's perspective. They would probably say to him, the, the, "You know, if we lose this entire fight, you and him, this is this is bad news for us. And if we're going to do this thing and be partners together in this, and you can dispute whether they in fact are partners, but I'm just saying, you know, so taking the fight or not taking the fight." John Jones is not a company guy, for better or worse. In some cases, better. In some cases, worse. John Jones is not a guy who's going to be told what to do. John Jones does not have a real handshake kind of relationship with UFC. It's a very, they want to work together, but they just seemingly can't. For a lot of his own faults, a lot of their own faults, it just doesn't work quite as naturally as it does with, say, someone like Rousey or someone like McGregor. Um, But not taking fights is not a revelation that someone is scared or that someone thinks that um, you know, they want to be treated as sort of a special person and they don't have the guts to get in there. No, this is a business, and you want to make the appropriate business decisions you, that you feel are best for you, best for your family, best for your bank account, and best for your legacy. You may disagree with Jones that not taking the son and fight got him there. We can, that's the debate. But the debate is not whether over saying no is a character flaw. Saying no is a business decision. Saying yes is a business decision. It can be one backed by personal growth and goals and motivations and courage, but it is a business decision. Someone says, I'm sorry, but I can't respect a man wearing this type of uniform. That's a picture of McGregor talking to whoever that vaguely European woman was on the, uh, on the set yesterday. The one who had like the V's and the, and the B's and everything. Um, yeah, let's talk about the kit for just a second. So like there was a lot of hand wringing over it. There was a lot of consternation about it. There was a lot of um, negativity about it, certainly online. And I don't think that they're great by any stretch of the imagination. They're basically only two colors. Um You know they're either white or they're black, and I think that's going to be for either side. You know, red and blue corner, so white and black. They do that in glory, right? If one person in glory has black gloves, the other person has white gloves. That's how they how they differentiate it. Um, So it's probably that. But to me, like so much of this missed the mark. Here's what I would say about these fight kits. Um, First of all, they're uniforms. I mean, they couldn't be much more uniform than they already are, right? Just in the general colloquial sense of the word. But uh, more than that, look, if you asked me, do I hate them as much as everyone else? No, I don't think they're hideous. I don't think that like some people are like, oh my God, they're trash. No, I don't think they're trash. They're just, they just missed the mark. I think that to me is the issue. If we're just going to speak calmly about it, we're just going to speak rationally about it we're not trying to score debate points or stick it to anyone, if we're just trying to, you know, soberly assess what went right and what went wrong, I think that what this will end up being is a good foundation to build off of. But ultimately, it's, it's just so flawed. So why? First of all, I do not get the sense that Reebok has any understanding about MMA. They need people on that team who are their MMA consultants. Because it's one thing for UFC to come in these meetings and in these collaborations and try to train somebody up. It's quite another to have people in-house that can help guide things when the UFC is not doting on them or waiting for deliverables. And it really seemed like they were missing. Like these people who got on stage, they just fumble through MMA conversations or they, you know, need a teleprompter to get them through it. It seems like they're being forced to take direction or they're looking at something they barely understand. They kept talking about, and I understand why they would want to bring it up, but they kept talking about, you know, um, look at how all the design elements meet athletic needs. Yo, (laughs) your fight shorts, I guarantee, I guarantee that the Reebok fight shorts from a performance needs component, from a performance needs evaluation basis are not better than even sprawl shorts or Hayabusa shorts. These are companies that are so locked in on what athletes needs and are able to change and innovate on a dime that, um, they're far ahead of what, uh, from a stitching need and a cut need and a materials need than anything else. Reebok, if anything is playing catch up and all, by the way, they spelled flexibility wrong on the, on the giant screens. I mean, it's just, you know, so like you're talking about all the ways in which your stuff handles performance you're, you're, not even, you're not even as good as your smaller indigenous rivals in this capacity. So I'm not saying that you didn't need to like focus on those things, but unless you actually bring something that is clearly more innovative than what is already in the space, bragging about it does nothing. It does nothing. That's the first problem. It's like, well, look at the way in which this enables people to have this kind of athletic performance. Like We, we, we are so far past that. You know, like, why is your gear better than, like, I don't know, an Under Armour rash guard? Why? Right? Can you tell me? Because uh, if you can't, then talking about your performance and, you know, how this meets athletic needs seems to me fairly ridiculous and, and just a talking point to nowhere. So that was the first problem. Okay. Oh, look how great this meets athlete's needs. I'm sure it does. I doubt it does it as well as, like, Jujitero like in Hayabusa, I've got some, um, i got some bad boy uh, grappling shorts and some scramble spats. Are they as good as that? I have a hard time. I have a hard time believing that. You know, I'll check them out. But you know, talking about your performance, you're 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 barely maintaining. You're not. You didn't bring some like rel, you know revelatory innovation to the space. So it's hard to take that claim seriously. The second part, and you know, from the design element, I think this is truly where they erred. You know, the UFC really believes internally. This is why they get lost in their own bubble a little bit. They truly believe that like the brand is like the most important thing, and I would never deny that the brand is hugely important. It is hugely, hugely important. Who who could say otherwise, right? The, but to me, and this is something the UFC just doesn't want to accept. The best outcome, and when you get the best results, is when there's a handshake deal with a star fighter. Starfighter is super popular, you promote them, they promote themselves, people want to promote them because they're just so intriguing, like a Rousey type thing, and then they shine back to the UFC, it's a handshake deal, but one is a little bit bigger than the other, I feel like, or even if they're equal, that's that's the handshake deal you want, equal or more than the star has more, okay, you look at these kits, these uniforms, and they walk around, and they've got UFC in gigantic letters on the front. Automatic fail. Automatic fail. That is totally the wrong way to go about it. Um, when you're a fight fan and you really love somebody, right, and you're attached to a BJ pin and you're attached to a Bas Rutten, and you're attached, in my case, to a Bushesha or something like that, you wear that, you, you're planting a flag for that person, That's what you're doing. You're flag-waving for that person. You want to wear that which symbolizes them. This cookie-cutter approach does exactly the opposite. It symbolizes everything the UFC uh, sees about itself, that it's the big brand, that it deserves to be forward, with a slight nod towards the fighter getting on the back. And even the championship kits are not much different in that regard. I think they have a slightly more, I think, appealing aesthetic look to me. Uh, I, don't, I don't dislike those nearly as much, but um, it's the same sort of conceptual problem. Rather than blaring UFC letters on front, there should have been something that gave a nod towards the fighter up front. You know Conor McGregor had that Fighting Irish logo. I'm not saying you had to bring that over. I'm just pointing out we view fighters that are figures of adoration symbolically, and and and, and that's why I'm using the flag metaphor. You know, you you when you the most some of the most important jerseys a soccer fan can wear are the ones of their country. They want to wear the shield and they want to wear it up front, right? Can you imagine if it was FIFA with a Columbia jersey or a U.S. or a Colombia shield or a U.S. shield or you know, um, the cross for, uh, for England or, or, or whatever on the back, you'd be like, what is this? (laughs) I I don't care. Uh, I mean, yeah, sure. If was great, whatever, fine, but it's Colombia, it's United States. It's, it's, it's England, it's Germany, right? That's what I care about. Um, so I think the mistake they made was they tried to say, well, UFC is the team and then like a jersey, like the Chicago Bulls, you get your name on the back. I think that that's wrong. That This is why the fight fan aesthetic is different. I'm not saying UFC couldn't have space on the front, but what I'm saying is um, someone on Reddit was trying to make a series of different symbolic elements for each fighter um, and to put that on the front of the jersey. I think it's a much better idea. Is that doable at scale? You know, I don't know. So there's some other things you can come up with that uh, that, that you know enable you to, to fix that. Um, But for your top ranked fighters, the idea that the only thing that differentiates them is just their name on the back and everything else looks the same with some different nod to country colorization is a total misfire, a total and complete misfire. If I care about BJ Penn, when I walk forward down the street, I want his face or something that has to do with the Hawaiian flag or BJ himself right here. That's what you want, right? When you want, to, you want to parade it, you are parading the flag that is BJ Penn or Fedor Milianenko. It comes on the front. And you could put M1 Global on the back if you're Fedor, right? That, that's sort of the idea here. And I think the UFC totally miscalculated on this one. They view themselves as super important. And of course they are. I would never, ever challenge that. I would never say that's not important. I would never say you wouldn't want UFC on the jersey. But you look at the NFL on a, on a jersey, it's here and then you might have you know uh um even even a bland tom brady jersey has his numbers on the front right and people are fans of the team in a deep-seated way people may have affectionate feelings about the ufc but they're not fans in that same kind of way where it's like i'm ufc with a slight nod towards conor mcgregor no you want to walk with something that is so undeniably demonstrably, unequivocally, passionately, Conor McGregor right at the front, right at the front. That's what you want, right? And then you can have a Reebok and a UFC thing here or whatever. It was a total misfire. And the other crazy part about it was like they had like, okay, I I, I thought they actually, that they, the one thing I thought was fairly interesting was we'll have a US one and a Canada kit and a um, Australia kit and China kit. There's no real difference between, like, the Canada kit and, like, the Russia kit uh, and the Japanese and Korea kit. I mean, there's a slight color variation, but it's still red, white, and black. You know, it's just, like, something that, I mean, it just feels like, you know, Fight Pass was something that was really rushed. And I don't know that this was really rushed, Um but there's just not enough imagination in this thing. I think that's really the the key component here is there's misplaced priorities about what fight fans want. And I think it's just a total lack of imagination on some components. Now in their benefit, what I will say is people were like, Oh my God, these are the worst blah, 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 blah. They're not great. You know, they're not great. However, um, and again, fight pass got started because I think it was a rushed product, but it got better quickly, right? It got better real fast. And I think you're going to find a lot of that phenomenon. I think by the next time they do these kits, if they're really willing to accept some feedback, UFC needs to be not this big. It needs to be that big. And something about each fighter that people truly care about needs to get in there. And that's a difficult task to do at scale. I'm not saying it's easy. But you've got guys in the low end who have their own shirts. Even Freddie Serrano out of Columbia, for example, has his own logo. Find a way to get him to put that on the front of it, and then sell it because people will buy that. People will people will buy Ben Rothwell's Skull Splitter Gym thing way before they'll buy a generic Reebok UFC kit that just has Rothwell in the back. This, this is is boring. Is boring. So they're not horrible. They're not bad. They're not you know the worst I've ever seen. They're just unimaginative. Unimaginative, and they lack they lack the things that fight fans truly care about. If I like Cain Velasquez, I want to... W- Cain Velasquez doesn't have brown pride tattooed on his back. It's right here. Because when he faces you, he wants everyone to see it. That's the difference. To be fair, someone says, when going back to Connor, I don't think people were saying Connor was dodging wrestlers so much as UFC not wanting to match him with wrestlers to protect him. Exactly uh someone says UFC fight kits do you expect these to sell very well I really think they need to get more artistic and creative with the gear more logos designed instead of just having a fighter's name on the back and the UFC on the front also is it fair for Lorenzo to basically say the fighters will still make money their managers just need to work harder I mean shouldn't the UFC be playing an active role in trying to get fighters paid as much as possible seems like they do more to hurt the potential income that help it. First questions first. Do I expect these to sell very well? No, but I'm not the the demographic that I think they're looking at. So I'm going to reserve judgment until the numbers come in. I do not think that these are going to sell well at all. Uh, Maybe the championship kits might, you know, you might see people buying a bunch of Rousey stuff. um, But uh, you know, and maybe McGregor stuff, but beyond that, I don't know. And even McGregor stuff, I I like the the black on black championship kits are way better than the, the black on gray or whatever they are. Um, no, but I could be wrong. I don't. The answer is I don't know. So I'll reserve judgment until the numbers come in. Um, and then you echoed some of my same criticisms. Someone says, is it fair for Lorenzo to basically say the fires will still make money, but their managers need, just need to work harder? Well, you know, look, we know that the UFC doesn't have the most positive view of management on earth. So, uh, you know, you take that for what it's worth. But the argument stands, ladies and gentlemen. It does not change even now that the new dawn is upon us. Fighters have failed to collectively organize because they are still independent contractors. You are now independent contractors wearing what is clearly uniforms, and you're not going to do anything about it. Welcome to your bold new reality. That's it. Welcome to your bold new reality. So, you know, uh, I don't make too much of their comments. As I've said before, the UFC has every right to want to try and monetize the space. I think the best relationship is is the handshake where the, where the fighters would say, okay, we'll do Reebok. We're going to get way more money for this. Um, we're going to get money on the next TV deal that you do. And so we'll just learn to live with it after we're employees. That to me seems like the best scenario. Because I don't think that in the end, let's say they had come out with a baller set of kits, just like amazing, amazing, amazing kits, right? Or, you know, they come out with all the guys you saw on stage had their own like coat of arms kind of logo, Right. And you're like, that's kind of cool, man. I, I could see people getting behind that, you know? Um, and they gave people the option. They said, we can make a coat of arms for you. You can give us your own, or we can just do a generic one so that, you know, fighters can't complain if they haven't, if they haven't taken up the effort yet. You know, something like that. Um, um, just, my point being is there's just a lot more possibilities that can make things work and you can keep the, the, the kits. I guess my my larger point is that I, I don't think the kits are bad in and of themselves for the sport. I think in many ways, they could wind up being a very, very good thing. The problem is, again, if you let someone make decisions for you, you're not always going to get the kind of outcome or deliverables that you expect. You are essentially depending on them for everything. Um, and if they're amazing, they'll come through in every capacity. But if they have different priorities or different visions about the world, even if they try their their absolute best you're not going to get the same kind of thing uh okay someone says why in the blue hell did ufc skip over edgar from mendez i find this somewhat indefensible do you are they more confident that connor beats chad um christ almighty it's old dad calling let's see what happens uh this ought to be interesting You know, I got to te- text him, because otherwise he's going to barge in like an idiot. Yeah. Well, if you saw what Lorenzo Fertitta told our colleague Chuck Mendenhall, it sounded like it was partly to spite me. <laughs> um, but I doubt that played any real serious role. Anyway, um, I don't know. I Look, I didn't think Edgar looked amazing against Faber, you know? I thought he looked good enough. I, th- I expected him to win he just didn't have that like amazing performance and I know what you're gonna say you're gonna say but wait Luke if Mendez wins you're gonna have a third fight with Aldo no one wants to see that if you had an Edgar fight you at least you know if he if he loses to Connor that's good for Connor if he beats Connor at least you get a rematch scenario with uh, Aldo and that's better than a third fight but I was there in that Fairfax fight when Chad Mendez won he didn't just beat Lomas and look at the odds they were close going in. He beat the brakes off of him. He beat him bad. So, um, so yeah. Uh, I I I wonder if that momentum helped carry it forward. I thought. That, I think that they felt like he looked better against a more relevant guy. Edgar just didn't. It took him five rounds to beat Swanson when Holloway did it much quicker. Um, so I think it was just about you know not that the outcomes after the fact were not were were, were better again because an Edgar rematch excuse yeah an Edgar rematch better than a Mendez trilogy fight. But it was just that who had the hot hand. And um you can make a s you could make a case man that like, you know, look Mendez gave Aldo his toughest fight to date and then went and, and rebounded by just blowing the doors off Ricardo Lamas. Um I'm not saying I agree with it necessarily, but I'm not altogether confused by it either. So they asking about UFC 189 predictions. I will do those in, in due time. Cage size. Luke, in the past, you have noticed that more action in the fight when the cage size is smaller. Do you know what the size of the cage will be for UFC 189? It will be a big cage, much bigger. Do you expect it to have a big impact on the two title fights? Um, yes, because there will be more distance for Mendez to cover. It's not like I think that McGregor is going to be hunting takedowns on Mendez, nor do I think he can really get him without mixing him up quite nicely with his strikes. Um, does the cage size alter your opinion on who would have won versus Aldo McGregor? Not necessarily in that case. Although again, if you're looking, always ask yourself who needs movement and how much, right? So you go back to Romero versus Machida, who needs movement there? Well, for sure, Machida needs movement. He, it needs to circle out and get out of the way. And you even saw Romero. What did he do? He had that incredible slash botched Superman punch didn't get clipped on it, and then was able to get his hands on Machida as a consequence. You know, that's something in a big cage I just don't think he would have been able to do. Um, and by the way, shout-outs to Paul Gift, who's an economist, who did a bunch of, uh, like, 3,000 UFC fights to um, to uh, like assessing the impact of the what the smaller cage has on fights. So check that out on bloodyelbow.com. Shout-outs to Paul Gift. But you but in this particular case, Aldo would need movement to get out of the or to get out of the way of McGregor to that because you know McGregor's gonna come forward, he's gonna want to pop and then turn the corner on him, uh, or at least be able to shove off and turn the corner. That's gonna be harder to do. And Aldo likes it when you look in front of him and you're resetting the position all the time. He likes that, right? So if you push off, he circles out and then you reset and you're thinking about what to do, he's so quick he can just beat you to the punch virtually every time. He likes that sort of thing. That's not going to work as well when, if he pushes off, he has a hard time resetting. He can lose balance. He can overcommit. He can be, you know what I mean? It just creates a lot more difficulties in the transition of the offense. Let's see if old Pops comes up. He's here, I think. Pay per view buys in Dublin. How many buys would you have estimated 189 to do with Aldo? I don't know. You have a guy in Aldo who has a demonstrated record of underwhelming pay-per-view buy rates versus McGregor, a guy with tremendous hype, um, but one with no history on pay-per-view. I was ready to accept anything as low as 400000 anything as high as a million. Even a million I wasn't quite ready to accept. I mean, when you sit there and think about the bad blood that John Jones had and Cormier had, two Americans, two well-known guys, one a two-time Olympian, another guy, you know, he was doing Regis and – not Regis and Kelly, I should say, Michael and Kelly you know uh good morning america or whatever else he was doing these huge talk shows of casual audiences heading into these fights you know he had the brawl and the brawl was huge and that did 750,000 800,000 buys and it's light heavyweight and you know and that that guy had been on pay-per-view for a while mcgregor has none of that in terms of pay-per-view now what we do know is he set, a I mean for us it's a traffic record on on fight pass of the dublin show um, you know, you saw the numbers he did on Fox Sports 1 when he faced Dennis Seaver peaking over $3 million. That beat Kimbo's lifestyle on Spike TV. So you look at it anecdotally, and you got a lot of data that suggests, man, this could be big, but without, but that's so much different than I'll watch this guy versus I'll pay for this guy. That's such a different thing. And then when you take out – I mean, obviously you're asking about the Aldo equation, but you take out Aldo, and that equation changes even more. So I, I truly, truly do not know. I would, I would, anything in that range to me, if it had come back $600,000, they would be like, yeah, it sounds about right to come back 800,000, they'd be like, that's about right. If it come back a million, I would be slightly surprised. Um, Not like, oh my God, surprised, but like, okay, that's pretty impressive, you know. Someone says, secondly, any chance you think if McGregor beats Mendez that they'd book Aldo fight in Dublin? Hard to believe that. Especially since it would be on pay-per-view. Never say never. Luke, I got two questions I would like to ask your opinion on. Now, with Aldo officially out of the fight with McGregor and McGregor versus Mendez official, say McGregor gets past Mendez on July 11th, okay? Setting up a unification bout with Aldo sometime later in the year. Do you think the pay per view numbers will be better or worse the longer we're kept waiting? Uh, up to a point, the longer you're kept waiting. But if it happens, like if they set a date in early 2016, you'll, you're, you'll be, look, let's say. We're, we're, we got July 4th this weekend, which is a big day for Americans. And then you have the fight the next weekend. Y'all are still going to be super pumped come next Saturday. You are. If you're watching this chat, you're going to be hype. Okay? If Mendez gets blown out by McGregor, you're going to lose your mind. I'm not saying if he beats him, I'm saying blows him out. Like stuffs to take downs. Bing, bop. Psh, you know, head head just gets Crushed. You know, it just stops them cold. You're gonna you're gonna lose your S. And then if they say, Hey, these two donks are gonna fight in de- December on the New Year's Eve show or January, the New Year's, whatever, whatever how they do that show, you're gonna say, Oh my god, I can't wait. So, like in that sense, the pay-per-view buys would be huge. Um, you know, they put it off till March, you would still be pretty excited, but it would just hard to sort of galvanize um, you know, interest and, and and have it be part of that momentum. What you want is I think if you're the UFC, what you probably want is McGregor to win dominant fashion and then surf that wave all the way to the Aldo unification bout. That's what you want. And if you can time it right, and you know, fingers crossed, knock on wood, you get Aldo to, to, to be healthy. Um, boy, you can do a lot. Remember, part of what made Pacquiao Mayweather so huge. And by the way, I, I want folks to understand this because someone was asking me about this. In the history of Vox Media, which is MMA fighting, SB Nation. Curbed, Racked, Eater, The Verge, Vox.com, Recode, these giant brands, okay? Um, Nothing has been bigger than Mayweather Pacquiao. Nothing over anything. Not presidential elections, not terrorist attacks, not, not nothing. That's how big Mayweather Pacquiao is. And that was partly a function of that you had to wait five years for that thing. Not that you were waiting for it because they set the date, but because it was just constantly talked about and talked about and talked about and talked about. And finally they had a date and you were like, oh my God, this is five years of culmination hitting a certain point. Again, I don't think you can do that or you would want to do that without Overson McGregor. You want to hit, you know, strike where the iron is hot, but I just want to sort of be clear that a waiting game isn't necessarily the worst idea. Uh, someone says, fight camps like Tiger Muay Thai, ATT, a.k.a. MMA Lab often have their fighters wear their logo on their fight shorts. I'm wondering, with the new kit, do you believe Reebok and UFC will allow fighters to wear their camp's logos? No. Uh, Lorenzo Fertitta, after seeing your post on Twitter about Chad Mendes uh, stepping in for an interim belt being hap- uh, potentially happening, and Lorenzo had, uh, said he used that to base his decision. Also in the Helwani interview, he said he's a big fan of the MMA beat and never misses an episode. I feel like he likes to hear your opinions on events that happens within the UFC as you are, blah, 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 blah. Um, I feel he likes to hear your opinions on events, your thoughts. Well, I don't know that he likes to hear them, but I guess one way or another he does. Um, Yeah, it was cool. He likes to watch MMA beat. I appreciate that. That That's great. I doubt they love my opinions Um, most of the time. Sometimes they might like them. I don't know. Um, But, you know, he. (laughs) I thought it was really funny, actually. Saying that, like, I had, I had a tweet that said I was willing to entertain any possible permutation happening except Mendez stepping in and interim title being created. So I'm over for 2. Uh, and then if you look at the look at my tweet, Ryan Loco was like, I can see one happening, at the other. Why? And I responded being like, I'm not saying they won't happen. I just said I'd be surprised. And I was. For the same reasons that you were. You can make a debate about whether or not Frankie Edgar should have gotten the nod over Chad Mendez. I thought he would get it for the reasons we've already talked about. That If Mendez wins, that's a disaster for Edgar. And then you have a third fight with Aldo. I mean, who the hell wants to see that, you know? Um, so that's why I was so surprised that they did it. And then they created interim title out of it. Like it was, it shocked me, but um, I guess they created the interim title because they didn't want to have a welterweight title fight as a co-main because you want to keep Connor in the main. So there you go. Is I am coping with grief. Since hearing of the news, I've locked myself in my bathroom, surviving for the last eight hours only on mayonnaise and gogurts. I don't even know what a gogurt is. Is there a silver lining to the tragedy that is UFC 189's main card, and is this worse than 151's cancellation? Well, folks forget. The 151 card was... Do you guys remember what the 151 card was going to be headlined by if they lost the main event, which they did? It was going to be Ellenberger versus Koscheck. right? That card was so thin that when they lost the main event, they said, F it. I don't think that's the situation here. Start. Um, Secondly, the card's pretty good. Thirdly, I would say, y'all, irrespective, like stop, just for a moment, just for a moment, stop comparing Aldo McGregor to Mendez McGregor and just answer the question, is Mendez McGregor a hell of a fight? Yes, it is. There's only one answer to that question. Yes, it is. Yes, sir. That is a baller ass fight. That is a fight between two top guys in the peak of their career who are sensational athletes with ridiculous skill sets who are fighting tooth and nail for supremacy. Yes, please. I'll take some of that. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm not saying it's everything that the, the fight with Aldo was going to be and all the consequences. And, by the way, it's kind of hugely instructive about McGregor's future because if you can't beat someone like Mendez, good luck at 155. Imagine if Mendez goes in there and just out-wrestles McGregor for five rounds. You think for two seconds that Habib Nurmagomedov or Rafael dos Anjos wouldn't wreck him? But, but if McGregor goes in there, stuffs takedowns, and just it's uppercut city Mike Tyson style? right just 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 popping dudes afros back you mean to tell me that you wouldn't be intrigued against his chances against an RDA Habib I don't know I think Habib can just wrestle anyone 155 and down period but okay you know one, uh, Habib's entry into the clinch is, is wild and reckless and someone who's got pinpoint and big ass power like McGregor will make you pay so like to me I'm not if you're if you're gonna live in the shadow of what it was well then of course you're going to be depressed. But if you're just looking at what's there, it's like, um, that's kind of a baller-ass fight. Not even kind of. Definitively, that is a sensational fight. And UFC, you know, they've had some bad luck. They've had some good luck. You know, they had Jones versus uh, Johnson. Oh, that was going to be tremendous. And then they lost Jones, and they had Cormier. That was still an awesome fight. That was still an awesome fight that told you a lot. Sure, losing Aldo sucks. This is still an awesome fight that tells you a lot. Uh, someone's asking again about predictions. I'm going to say predictions. those predictions time. One quick thing here. Hang on. Just a second. All right. Uh, IVs. What are your thoughts on USADA banning IVs? I understand that they can be used to cover up PED usage, but don't think an outright ban is the answer. answer. Would it work to drug test all fighters before they use an IV to rehydrate after a weight cut so they aren't putting their health in jeopardy by cutting out usage altogether? Yeah, I don't like it. I understand what they're talking about, that to your point, it can be used to, to cover up PED usage or that guys take extreme measures knowing that um, you know the, the IV will bail them out to an extent. Um, and th- these are things that if you're the brand, you sort of really worry about. I, I get all that. Um, look, people have asked me how many fighters use IVs to, um, rehydrate. And I would argue the majority of them or a, a huge chunk at a minimum, even not just at the UFC level. I remember, um, I used to work for a show again in the Atlantic. I was talk about it, UWC ultimate warrior challenge. And I remember guys, this is 2008, 2007. I remember guys at that level using IVs to rehydrate. It's, it is so common. Uh, it's common by the way, in other, af, uh, in other sports too. It's not just like MMA guys figured out you could rehydrate with an IV. Um, it, this happens everywhere. And the guys I saw using it are actually pretty safe with it. One of their buddies was an EMT and he would, uh, come and he would administer the IV himself. You know, so it's like a pretty safe way to rehydrate all things considered. um, you know, if you're going to laugh at me. I'm just going to float this. Why can't rehydration be, like, why can't UFC say, look, you are not allowed to use um, an IV on your own. But after the weigh-in, because IV doesn't, you can, I, think they I think most guys only take one or two bags. If you want to have one administered to you, we'll have a set of doctors uh, and nurses or EMTs have a rehydration station. And we will monitor the use of this. And you could say that's crazy. I don't think that's crazy at all. The doctors will know what's in there. Uh, It'll be basically just, you know, the sort of basic nutrients you need to rehydrate. Guys will do it. It Takes about an hour or two. Not a lot of time. And then you're done. And then you're done. And one or two bags and you're, you know, I'm not saying you're back to normal. It takes a while for your body to um, recover from such a grueling process. But why can't that be overseen? If you get an IV in a college team for a college sport, their team doctor oversees it. What's so different? You know, I don't understand what's so different. Um, and, and, and you know, you could even keep a sample of it in case something comes up in testing. You can have that used as a B sample, you know. So to me, there's a solution around this. and I know they've sort of put it off to October rather than like the hard July deadline, which I appreciate. I don't think banning it is the answer. I think trying to minimize it is a good idea, but I think just saying, no, we're not going to have it is kind of crazy. I think having the commission or having the USC with commission approval and oversight, having a set of EMTs, nurses, or doctors administer to those who want to in-house is the best way to go through with it. Interim belt. Aldo last fought October 25th, 2014. It hasn't even been a year yet. Why are they quick to pull the trigger on an interim belt again? Because I don't. McGregor is going to be the main event. Y'all just need to accept that. I don't think they want to have a situation where uh, they have a non-title fight main event and a co-main event for the welterweight title. I, I don't think it's much more complicated than that. <clears throat> Post-fight religious comments. In an interview with Ariel yesterday, Dana said he doesn't believe Romero's remarks were meant to be homophobic, but still doesn't want guys to proselytize in the cage afterwards. Is that a valid request a promoter can make of his subcontractors, or do you agree that fighters should keep their religion to themselves while on the UFC and their broadcaster partners' airtime? Well, I'm sort of torn on this one because, to me, look, again, why is Dana going to say it? It's a business decision. If you're the promoter, what do you want Especially with the promoter, with the kind of aesthetic, our uh, aesthetic that Dana has. Remember, Dana also said in that very same interview he didn't like Cejudo going out there with the Aztec warrior outfit, and 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 he he allowed it, but he didn't like it. Now, to me and to Ariel, you saw Ariel in the interview. We were, I was like, that's baller as hell. Why would you not want that? But you know, Dana's got a certain aesthetic about what things are supposed to look like, and and okay, he's the promoter. It's the show, whatever. Um, but if you're Dana. And you're hearing Romero, you're thinking to yourself, dude, I thought this argument was actually pretty compelling. Dude, you just had the biggest win of your life. And you know, if you want to get up there and say, oh, thank God, thank Jesus, you know, blah, 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 I hope Romero. I hope um, Machida's okay, here's how I did it, blah, 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 you know, that's that, that would have been, I mean, let me just say something, because I didn't do a Monday morning analyst this week, and I, I apologize for that, my boss is on vacation again, you guys have no idea how hard it is to run this site, it's ridiculous, all the different moving pieces. I know you don't care. I'm not asking for sympathy. I'm just telling you. I thought that that main event was so completely awesome. So completely awesome. First of all, Romero comes out to Soldado by Juan Luis Guerra, okay? A Dominican, in this case, merengue singer. Soldado, if you don't speak Spanish, means soldier. And that's from one of his Christian albums. So here comes Soldier of God, Yoel Romero, looking like he man, even with a T-shirt on. Music comes in perfectly as the beat hits. You know what I mean? And you got one of the all-time great Dominican merengue singers just bawling out. Now I know, um, I know, I know Romero is Cuban. But I'm just follow me here, right? And he comes out there, takes the shirt off, salutes, looks like Hercules, right? And then comes Machida. Now, eventually, he switches over to Lincoln Park. But, okay, the crowd was into it. and He had some, like, weird drum thing going beforehand. And, you know, Machida gets in there. And even if you didn't think Machida was going to win, you always know Machida's good for surprises. And they get in there, and Romero's just showing this, like, absurd cat-like athleticism. And then, you know, eventually, when he takes him down, and, dude, just his ability to step in range. Like, Romero's penetration step is so deep and so effortless. I literally was watching it laughing laughing you guys don't understand there are so many wrestlers MMA or just regular wrestling who have penetration steps they work on for years decades that aren't as effortless as that guy just a ridiculous penetration steps hooks the leg or steps over the leg and then hooks it uh for the takedown and then once he's there Machida a black belt has zero time to control posture before he's eating a barrage of elbows so I thought the walkouts were brilliant The the intros were brilliant. The fight was incredible. And then he gets on there and makes this like garbled, mushed mouth, bizarre message. Folks who may not know, Cuban Spanish to me is like one of the hardest Spanish varieties to understand. They don't say the letter S or like second syllables hardly at all. Like go back and listen to how he says Jesus Christ. He says Jesus Christ. (laughs) It's bizarre. It's bizarre. So like Dana's whole point is look at all that. Look at all that. You had this ridiculous walkout, this ridiculous fight, this insane performance, and you go and do this bizarre thing. You know, I understand him completely. And look, personally speaking, I couldn't be less religious. The less fighters talk about Jesus Christ, the happier I personally am. At the same time, though, part of what makes the sport kind of fun is guys saying goofy, weird things. Not so much of the Romero variety, but... You know, remember Clay Guida at the UFC Fairfax show? Like, seemed to be like inviting Obama to come wrestle, but you weren't quite sure. This stuff is fun. Like, this stuff is crazy. This sport is crazy. To, to have that go away because it's smoother and easier for the promoter to deal with, I understand why the promoter would want to say that. I don't begrudge him that at all. I also, and I, and again, I think what he was offering is a much better alternative than what Romero turned in. But in the end, would I want everyone playing it safe? Nah, probably not. I also don't think that Romero, here's what I would say. Romero's Spanish is hard to understand. Romero's English is virtually impossible to understand. Now, the timing of it is kind of weird. The day after the Supreme Court rules on marriage equality, okay, that's a little bit weird. But, um, you know, my wife talks about it before, like, you know she's English is her second language and she's fluent in English. And she still says, you know, in personal or professional settings it can be hard to sometimes articulate yourself in English. Um, you know, his English is broken. So I have no idea what he was trying to say. And I think the tie goes to the runner in this, in this particular case, I will give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, Aldo not being professional. Is this a record to pull out of five title fights? He wonders about his pay and so on. How could he let this happen two weeks or so out from the biggest fight of his life? I, I think I think some of this is misplaced. I really do. Look, you can say whatever you want about why is someone throwing a spinning heel kick two weeks out. Well, because guys hard spar two weeks out. That's not uncommon at all. Um, you could say you should have taken extra precautions given how much promotional push was put into this kind of contest. But the act of sparring like that, that late into a camp, is not altogether unusual. So let's just call that what it is. I think secondly, look, some guys deal with injury better than others. Uh, Here on my Washington Redskins, and I hate saying the word, but it just makes it easier to talk about, um, we got a guy, a tight end, who is a beast named Jordan Reed. This mf'er cannot stay healthy. He takes one hit, and he's on the, you know, oh, he has a bruised rib, he has a torn meniscus, he has a high ankle sprain. It's like, "Oh my god, can Jordan Reed stay healthy for 2 seconds?" Some dudes just get banged up easier than others. Some dudes have, you know, don't tolerate damage as well as others. I'm not saying Jose Aldo's not tough. He's and y'all are so crazy if you don't think he's tough. This dude from Manaus who had headaches cuz he was so poor living in the gym, fought his way to the top of the world and you got the audacity to say he's not he's not tough. He's tougher than everyone in your family. That's how tough Jose Aldo is. So you can knock that ass off immediately. But being tough mentally doesn't mean your body is going to take all damage that well. Some people are smarter than others. Some people have thicker skin than others, quite literally. Look how easily Fedor Emelianenko used to cut. Everyone's body is different. And biologically, durability, it's a thing. It's a thing. I just don't think his body is that durable. I think he takes punishment badly. And that's why I think it also contributes to the way he fights in the octagon. Conservatively, a little bit of hit-and-run style sometimes. Early on, not so much, but you know more so Later. Because I think he knows internally, he just body just doesn't respond well to damage when others might. You got guys, you know, like Wanderlei Silva. They've had their face literally change because of so much damage to it, and he just does, he seems to sort of go on about his day. Not everyone's like that, you know. You can compliment the guys who are, but I have a hard time being mad at someone. What I think is much more a biological condition. So, is there an argument to make that Nova Uniao goes too hard? Yeah, maybe just a little bit there. Is there an argument to make that there should have been a little bit more care taken in the later stages of such an important camp? I won't fight you too much on that. But this idea that he's not tough mentally, or that he doesn't want to, or that, you know, this is something he's this is, this is the outcome he preferred in some sort of weird version of twisted logic is just something I just will not entertain flat out. Uh is Lawrence McDonald the main event? No. Why is Mendez versus McGregor and not McGregor versus Mendez? Because Mendez is taking Aldo's spot. It's a long question about legalization in New York. Let me look at the Twitter machine here real quick since it's 215. Someone says a Gogurt. Oh, the stream's broken. All right, it's better now. Someone says, a gogurt is just like sugary yogurt in a squeezable tube. Well, that sounds gross. Uh, I didn't know that the chat was d- dicked up until just now. Um, I apologize. Hopefully, it's not too bad. Do the male fighters have to wear their UFC fight kit jersey while they fight now? No, just on the walkout. Do you see the eight inches of reach and the three inches of reach affecting Chad's takedown attempts, make him easy to hit? It depends. You got guys like um, Stefan Struve who have a huge height and reach advantage who just never use it properly. If McGregor uses it properly, it's a it's a big bonus for him. I'm saying, is a calamity worse than a disaster? It's all semantics. Yeah, I suppose, but in my mind, a calamity is something that is like truly just the end of the world. What else we got? Compare the backlash of Pac-Man taking the fight with injury and Aldo backing out. Which one was wiser? Well, in terms of your bank account it's better to do what Pacquiao did. But now he's in a situation where um, not only did he lose, and talking about the injury, Mayweather has called him a sore loser. Mayweather put a, a video up on Instagram taunting him uh, more recently. You can check that out at badlefthook.com. So if you're injured in the sport, in combat sports generally, there's just no sympathy for you, even though injury is like, you dumbasses run, run and, and twist your ankle doing sprints and uh, – You know, you sit there and you hold your ankle and you're like, well, I don't know if I can go to work today because it hurts too bad. And then you want someone to go and fight Conor McGregor. You're crazy. You're crazy. Injuries are a devastating key component of, of, um, of fighting. And yeah, there's some level of, you know, having to get over it, but bruised. If you've ever had bruised ribs, forget broken ribs, forget cracked ribs. If you've ever had bruised ribs, it's hard to eat. It's hard to eat. So do I believe that Cowboy injury had the same injury? No, no, I don't. Or do I believe that somehow it affected him differently? Yeah. But if Cowboy was feeling the exact same thing that Aldo was feeling? hmm. Someone says, if New York is so important, why not just put on fights there without the approval of the legislation? Because you'll go to jail. <laughs> That's why. Let me just say one thing about New York and then we can move on from it because there's a lot of different moving parts here. Folks would just ask why New York? Why New York? What's so great about New York? Okay, sure. Would it be cool to have a show at Madison Square Garden? Yes, of course. you know, is there a real economic benefit because you can go to cities like Albany and Buffalo and Rochester for sure. Um, yeah, it would be great for local promoters to be able to put on shows there and for New York fighters to fight at home. All that is true, but you know, is that, I mean, you can, if for a company that can go anywhere in the world, uh, you know, what's the big deal? The big deal is that fairness matters. That's why there's not really a price on fairness, is there? I don't think so. There is no good reason for MMA to not be legalized in New York. And when the forces that be conspire against you, quite literally, to keep you out, you have an obligation to stand up for yourself. I completely and totally support the UFC's efforts, even if it fails next year, even if it fails the the year after that, and even if it fails five years from now. I entirely support the UFC for doing what they're doing. I completely back them up. I think that they recognize... We're just not going to let injustice stand, even if we can work around it. No, no. You work not around injustice. You steamroll it. You get rid of it. You push it away. And going to Canada is cool. And going to Brazil is cool. And going to Manila is cool. That won't change what's happening in New York. The only way to change that is to get in there and take your losses and take your lumps and fight them. Because fairness in this world matters. Justice in this world matters matters. And you cannot let people like this push you around for no good reason. Aldo's relationship with Dana. Has Aldo blown any good favor or negotiating power he had with Dana now over the amount of money he has cost him? I don't think he ever had the easiest relationship in the world, but certainly at this point, it's probably pretty strained. So it says the lesser evil versus the greater good. Interesting question. The UFC, excuse me, Luke, of all the fights canceled due to injury epidemic, this one has to be the coup de grace, right? The UFC has been placed in an exceedingly difficult no-win scenario due to Aldo's injury. I won't say it's no-win, but it's slight-win. I have to wonder, though, if they are taking the lesser evil in the short term while sacrificing the greater good in the long run. On the one hand, by making an interim title fight between McGregor and Mendez, the UFC is delivering a McGregor fight at their International Fight Week show, putting him on the card as promised and putting a belt, albeit an interim one, on the line. However, aren't they risking the potential reward of the McGregor-Aldo fight that was promised and has been built up for the last half year? If they were just to push the fight a few months down the line, they can reuse the promos with a change in dates, maintain the rising star and legendary champion dynamic and still have more than a serviceable main event 189 in Lawler versus McDonald. I just wonder, yeah, one they haven't promoted at all, good luck with that. I just wonder if they are risking the long-term goods and rewards in a fight they have been building in the better part of a year simply to maintain the McGregor factor 189. If McGregor loses, which as you've stated, we simply do not know enough about him, then we've lost everything. Here's what I would say. The UFC has gotten to where they are. If you watch some of the moves they've made, the brass there, they have always made, I think, bold, yet somehow calculated gambles. But that's what this is. It's a gamble, it's a risk. Everyone who's saying, okay, I get what you're doing, UFC, but what if Mendez wins? What if Mendez wins easily? I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying, let's theorize that possibility. You're. Effed. You now have a guy who was, I mean, red hot in McGregor, who looks bad. And now you have a third fight you have to do between two guys. I mean, yeah, I'm not saying Aldo versus Mendez 3 would suck, but it's not the same. Not even close to the same. That is the risk they are taking. That is the risk because the reward is if McGregor goes out there, and it seems to think they believe in him, if McGregor goes out there and beats someone who just rolled over Ricardo Lamas. Stuffs his takedowns, looks phenomenal. Not only do they have a guy who has answered questions about, again, we don't know that he's bad at them. We're, we, we just don't know if he's good at them uh, in terms of all the wrestling issues. We, but if he beats Mendez and does it by stuffing his wrestling, you could say, not only do we have that answer for us, we now have the fight we wanted before even bigger. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a high-risk, high-reward proposition for me. And maybe they shouldn't be making those kinds of bets. If That's what you're asking. But, and this is a little unusual for them, you know, because I think their bets are a little bit safer. But they've gotten to where they are, man, by making calculated, bold moves on the power of their brand, on the power of their matchmaking, and the power of their content. And many, 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 many times it has paid off for them. All right, again, if McGregor goes out there and, and beats him, it's not that you can remove the criticism that this wasn't a high-risk, high-reward bout or bet, but you can go back and say, you know what? This is what the UFC does. They don't They don't make every bet um, that they can. They definitely know when to fold. But they feel like this time, there's just a lot to lose. And I mentioned on MMA Beat, too. Man, if you remove this fight, you really want to cross that line where folks are just like, I'm not buying UFC tickets until the week of the fight. I'm just not doing it anymore. You want to get to that space? I don't think you do. If you're from Ireland, you came to see Conor McGregor. And you came to see Conor McGregor versus Jose Aldo. But you will definitely take Conor McGregor versus Chad Mendez. It's it's um, it's a promotional downgrade. It is a marginal fight downgrade. I'm sorry, it just is it, from from a from, on paper anyway. So I understand what the UFC is doing. It's a calculated bet. It's in, maybe it's like I said before maybe it's even high risk high reward. But these are the kinds of moments where the UFC has stepped up and said we're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna bet we're gonna bet on ourselves to win. And I, I kind of admire that about their brand. You know, we're going to bet on ourselves to get this right. We're going to bet on ourselves to win. We're going to bet on ourselves to succeed. Because the UFC is not one to bet on themselves, and who is, you know? Uh, about Joanna Jacek, do you think she's the next big star in the UFC? Could she do a Ronda Rousey and become a huge mainstream, or will she be the next Aldo DJ? Uh, I don't think she'll be the next Aldo DJ, but I certainly don't think she'll be the next Ronda Rousey. Um, you know, so it's, it's a bit of a weird contrast you're drawing there. But uh, does she have the potential to be somebody who, I mean, she seemed to capture the fan imagination like that. You know, and again, we're talking about somebody who does it all right. Anytime there's a microphone or a camera on her, she's a star. So um, I would expect big things for her. Jesus, do y'all really eat Gogurt? gurt Trifling. Weidman's comments, Luke. What do you make of Weidman suggestion that the Rockhold—that maybe Rockhold will have to fight Jacare before either of them get a title shot? Um, I doubt that, but we'll see. Your favorite journalists, analysts, or podcasters? Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, Jordan Breen. Uh, obviously, everyone on our team—so Ariel, Dave, Sean, Meltzer, Chuck—anyone on our team is obviously phenomenal feel blessed to be able to work with them. But outside, I'd say Jordan Breen, Patrick Wyman, Connor Rubush, Ray Bush, whatever you pronounce his name properly, um, Scott Christ, I like. Um, For other podcasts and other sports, I, I listen to Between the Sticks. Ben Folks and Chad Dundas I like. I listen to a co podcast religiously. Um, who else do I like? I like uh, I like a lot of local radio. If you're in D.C., I like Grant and Danny on 106.7 The Fan. Um Try to listen to who else, think about who else I listen to. I listen to the Deadcast every once in a while. Um, like Gawker, it's everything where everyone is so self-satisfied that it's hard to get all the analysis you want, but uh, it's otherwise pretty good. Um, let's see, who else do I listen to from other sites? Uh, some of the stuff that the other guys from BE do, Eugene Robinson does some good stuff. Yeah. Oh, I like Mike Bond out of MMA Junkie. Uh, I like Ro- uh, Rodrigo Del Campo out of Indiscutido. Um, yeah. Oh, so this says Brent Brookhouse. Yes, but he does less work these days since he moved to Junkie. So, it says, is there a chance we never see Aldo McGregor? Of course. Someone says, uh, I didn't know Chuck was getting heat for his rebuck take. Here's one thing I think about Chuck. If he writes something, he means it. And I can assure you, assure you, no one tells him what to write. I'd bet my mortgage on it. What else we got? It's out a ban on IV rehydration. Um. We need to come up with the Giblert Melendez Award, an award we give out to someone who is just an absolute donk. Now, it's not Gilbert Melendez's fault that Reebok botched not just his name, but it seemed like a thousand names. But I thought to me that Giblert Melendez was just the funniest thing ever. So from now on, you know, you, everyone does true-false. Nominate someone for a Giblert Melendez Award just for being a donk. Not in a mean way. This isn't an award to, like, take a dump on people. It's more like a funny thing for someone, like, you know, screwing something funny up. Um, so nothing mean-spirited. But the, Gib- the Giblert Melendez Award is something we have to do. We have to do it. And you can give it to me, because Lord knows I get things wrong all the time. Certainly in the tweet that uh, Lorenzo Fertitta referenced, I got one 0 for 2 in that bad boy. But, um, but yes, I want to make the Giblert Melendez Award so badly. Uh let's do a true false if we can. A year from now the Reebok kits will have a much have much more choice and customizations with more individual uniqueness if anyone there has any brains and they do. Yes, true. If Wyman gets through Jacare, Rockhold, Romero, he will surpass Anderson Silva's title defenses and legacy. False. New York legalizes MMA in 2016. False. Edgar becomes a three division world champ before he retires. False. Josh Koshak gets smoked by Daly in a rematch. Probably false. Not saying he'll win, but you said smoked. Let's take a quick look at Twitter if we can. Gogurt. Y'all are trifling as hell eating Gogurt. Well, Mendez's lack of prep time affect him in your mind. Yeah. Is he ready to go five rounds? I don't know. I'm sure he was always training. But let's say he wins three rounds on wrestling. Okay, but you didn't put him away. You think Conor McGregor's just going to fold in the fourth and fifth round? This dude believes that he is destined for greatness, and it'd be one thing if he goes out there and has an epic win. But if he goes out there and, and suffers a storm for three rounds, and then goes out there and then blows the doors off of Mendez in the fourth and fifth, and or even just stops him outright in the fourth, you know, people are going to people's heads are going to explode in a good way. But that's what's going to happen. Y'all are crazy if you don't think it's going to happen. It's definitely going to happen do one more. If we can. y'all better turn something green. Oh, all right, last one, because this is the dude from uh, fight metric Love him. Replica jerseys. What is a UFC Reebok replica jersey? What is the $95 replica jersey exactly replicating? In the sports apparel world, referring to a garment as a replica means it's a similar copy to an actual game-worn garment the athletes wear during competition but made a friendlier price point. Okay, well, Marcio Leota Machida isn't exactly fighting in a damn shirt. Is this replica jersey a cheaper version of the walkout shirt? If so, how much does an authentic walkout jersey cost? Is this authentic jersey built to withstand some particular event? And Is that event walking around the locker room to the ring? Because I have loads of shirts I could get the job done, and they're much cheaper than $95. Some don't even have stains on them. I know an authentic NFL jersey, which can run you around $300, is built to last through a tough game of American football. The replica, however, costs about 100 bucks and is a much more comfortable garment that can easily tear in a tailgating fight when your drunk dad mouths off to fans, to the other team, embarrassing you forever. Luke, tell me things are going to be all right. Yeah, I'm going to tell you the same thing I always do with UFC content, but with your dollars. If you like those kits, you should go buy one. If you don't, you should definitely not buy one. But this, to me, underscores what I had referenced earlier, that this whole thing was a bit of a fumble. Not a permanent fumble, not an uh, irrevocable fumble, but you've got people at Reebok who clearly are just so uncomfortable with the the, uh, culture and world and idea of MMA, who don't really know who they're competing against in that same space for gear, Um, who have their own internal... Production issues, you know, misspelling flexibility and half the fighters' names or whatever the case may be, Gibbler, Melendez, um, selling at a price point that seems deeply unrealistic for what are frankly unimaginative kits. I can envision a scenario where you can charge for that if the kits are badass and incredible and innovative and totally unique and just they hit the right note, you know? But to me, if you went to a fight fan and you showed them a BJ Pen replica jersey and then you showed him a just scrap shirt regular old t-shirt and you said same price which one are you gonna buy what are you gonna buy you're gonna buy that UFC kit or are you gonna buy a BJ Penn t-shirt that says just scrap I think you know the answer to that okay with that said I apologize for running late y'all know how it is out here and um, it's real in the field sorry I guess there were stream issues I apologize I don't know what to do about it you know it is, it is what it is. Uh, follow me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Luke T sports. I'm on Twitter, twitter.com slash S B N Luke Thomas. I am also on uh email. Luke.thomas.sbnation.com for everyone who heard me on uh, Irish radio. Thanks for the shout outs. I appreciate it. And um, I'll get this podcast up as soon as possible. I appreciate all your support. Sorry for the late start. Sorry for the technical difficulties. There's not much I can do. Um, lots more coverage coming your way, especially some on this weekend. So don't tune out completely as you enjoy the 4th of July. We'll have lots of cool articles and videos and stuff for you to check out. Okay. Until next time, stay frosty.